Before we get started, After the Monuments is proud to receive support from VCU Massey Cancer Center. Massey Cancer Center wants you to imagine a future without cancer. All it takes is one, a revolutionary idea, a promising clinical trial, or a new breakthrough. See how Massey is developing new approaches to prevent and treat cancer for every person in every community. Learn more about this future for everyone at MasseyCancerCenter.org. Before we get started, After the Monuments is proud to thank Team Henry Enterprises for their support of our show. Team Henry Enterprises is a black-owned contracting firm specializing in office, retail, medical, multifamily, and higher education construction of all scopes and sizes. In the wake of the George Floyd protest, Team Henry is the very firm contracted by the city of Richmond to take down the Confederate monuments in Richmond and by many other municipalities to remove other Confederate monuments around Virginia and throughout the Southeast. Learn more about Team Henry and how they can help your community rebuild, renovate, or design at TeamHenryENT.com. I'm Kelly Lemon. And I'm Michael Paul Williams. And welcome to the After the Monuments podcast, where we look at events and news about race in a historical context and see how, too often, history repeats itself. Welcome to another episode of After the Monuments, a real talk about race. Michael Paul Williams, Kelly Lemon. Um, this one is another one where we're just going to talk about the things that you have been writing about um, for the Richmond Times-Dispatch and Richmond.com. So, um, you know, Michael Paul, you've covered a lot of things over these last last month as we are getting into July. Um, let's start off with something that's very relative to the show. Uh, the Jeff Davis uh, monument that's, that was up for over 100 years on Monument Avenue. Of course, it came down um, by the protesters. The protesters took that one down. Um, but it is now on display at the Valentine Museum. Yep. Richmond's Valentine Museum. You yeah. want to know what happens after the monuments? Well, after that monument, um, Jeff Davis is lying on his back. Um, uh, he was painted um, a bubblegum shade of pink. I'm glad you said um, that, the bubblegum part, because it's very dramatic yeah, on my, his face. My wife's kind of in her feelings about that, though. She feels like that's um, insulting to women, that they're, they're, they're trying to make him weak um, oh. by painting him pink when wow. that's not weak. And But that's that was a take I hadn't thought of. Oh, like, wow. Okay, I should talk to you before I wrote that column. <laughs> but, um, but he's, yeah, he's all pinked up, and he is, his face is battered, and he's got um, a gash in his arm, and he's got uh, a little bit of that toilet paper where they put a toilet paper noose mm. around his neck. Um, so he's pretty much the state where they found him mm -hmm. um, after he was taken down. And um, the Valentine is um, having people come into the museum and, and, and have them record their feelings. What do you think? How does this make you feel to see um, the statue of Jefferson Davis laid low like this? And um, it's part of um, uh, their kind of um, information gathering about where we go next. And also, um, you know, this is a homecoming because um, the museum or the um, studio of, um, of um, one of the Valentines, um, the first president, uh, is adjacent to the museum. Um, and... Um, they are trying to figure out, okay, how do we reinterpret the museum? I mean, the um, studio where um, Jefferson Davis was crafted and all sorts of other figures. Um, many of them lost cost figures and many of them um, 
black people who are, let's say, presented in a caricatured light. So there's there's a lot to unpack. I I, I would highly suggest people go down and 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 and, and take a look. For those that are listening to us um, all across the the nation, um, the Valentine Museum is is and was, and you could correct me, Michael Paul, the first museum to allow black Richmonders to come and see exhibitions and for free, right? Richmond Public School students started it. Uh, I, I I believe so. Um, I know I went to um, the Valentine as a child back in the 1960s. Um, your kid, you don't really process those things, but I was in a predominantly white group of students. But yeah, they that is part of their legacy. And they also um, were awarded a, a major grant um, along with the Black History Museum and um, two other artists that did projections um, that have been seen, um, you know, uh, all over the world um, from when they projected on to uh, the Lee Monument. Um, but, um, you know, again, these things are, are a shared story. You mm-hmm. know, Black History Museum has 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 all the monuments. They were given all the yeah. monuments, right? Yeah, yeah. Jefferson Davis statues on loan yeah. um, from the Black History Museum. Yeah. So we're we're still figuring this out, um, but it's history. It's it's all history as far as I'm concerned. Let's go up uh, or up 64 a little bit um, to Charlottesville, mm-hmm. um, more so Montpelier, mm-hmm. um, which was one of your other articles um, or columns that you wrote uh, recently that yeah. you can find at Richmond.com. Yeah, actually was at Mont- Monticello. Monticello. Okay, sorry. Um, sorry. Bo- look, both places where, have, um, a, have, a, have a Yeah, historic- there was a huge um, event. Um, went Marcellus and... Um, uh, all sorts of um, very high-profile um, um, people, um, intellectuals, artists, historians, um, talking about descendants. Mm-hmm. And it, it was called Ascendant. Mm-hmm. And it's about the rise of descendants and, and the voices of descendants at these sites, which are um, presidential homes but also former plantations that, where people were enslaved, mm-hmm. and how dis- descendant voices are rising up. And um, most notably at Montpelier, 29 miles away in, in Orange County, where um, uh, descendants now have parity on the board of um, the Montpelier Foundation after um, protracted fight. Um, uh, they were um, they got parity, and then it was walked back, and there was a big struggle, and um, but they won that struggle. And that's being looked at as a national model on how we do these things. Um, these, um, as conflicted as we are about um, these plantations um, that were home to um, our, our founding fathers, these are ancestral homes for black people um, on this continent um, uh, for African Americans. And um, we are claiming our, our legacy there. And it's 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 a fascinating thing to witness. And there were we were at Mont, to Mont, um, Monticello, but all eyes and all voices were about Montpelier and what had happened there, and what happens next. Mm. Interesting. Are you gonna are you gonna follow up? Oh yeah. I'm gonna, <laughs> okay. it's, I mean, we're all gonna be looking. I mean, it, the evolution of all of these sites. Um, um, Michael Blakey, um, professor at um, William and Mary, said that he had. Um, 13, 14, 15, um, uh, basically um, request on his desk 
you know, to 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 use the rubric that was used at Montpelier um, to create parity. They're from from I think he said from New Hampshire, like down south. They're 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 uh, Mobile, Alabama. That they're they're places, historic sites. That okay, we want to do this too. So this we we're this is and again Virginia's starting something. This is going to be a national trend. Speaking of Charlottesville, um, coming up on July 10th, um, celebrating is celebration the right word? Or recognizing, commemorating um, the anniversary of their first monument Mm -hmm. coming down. Mm -hmm. Um, I know we haven't written about that, but again, Charlottesville and also what happened at UVA as well. There's an anniversary for that as well with the Unite the Right um, rally. The white supremacist rally, deadly white supremacist rally rally yeah uh, or the aftermath of it anyway and the fact that the nation basically had all eyes on charlottesville Mm -hmm. as a graduate of the university of virginia um hated it hated that it happened there but i also understood why it happened there it also made me be able to defend why I went there because, again, we saw the racism there, but we also knew our place in as black mm-hmm. um, students of UVA. We knew our history already, and we knew we built it, yeah. you know? Um, and then for them to also acknowledge that um, and what UVA is doing right now, um, Devon Henry um, is... Uh, one of our gracious sponsors for this, but also he built the monument to the enslaved laborers mm-hmm. at UVA. And it is just steps away from where those tiki torches were. Yeah. Um, so Yeah, it's all it's all part of our great American contradiction embodied in Mon- uh, Monticello um, with Thomas Jefferson, who um, penned such eloquent words that um, which he failed um Colossally to live up to um, um, the University of Virginia, uh, where these things are happening. But yes, let's face it: that that rally was in Charlottesville for a reason, and and University of Virginia graduates played a big role in bringing that hate to Charlottesville. So yeah, these are the contradictions that we continue to live with centuries later. Rolling into um, a little bit more controversy, but well, let's let's. We had a great conversation um, with um, Arthur um, and a educator um, on our last podcast, Linda uh, Villarosa, um, and we were talking about health disparities. Mm-hmm. Um, and not only did we have her on the show, but then you followed up. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean um, Linda's um, book is her fascinating book just um, outlines how being black is hazardous to your health. Being mm-hmm. black in America is hazardous to your health because of um, uh, the chronic stress um, um, for how many um, centuries um, that is involved um, and, and, and the stressors that are released uh, are, that erode our health mm-hmm. and well-being. And um, this plays out. Um, vividly in the um, disproportionate risk that black women have in giving birth, three times more likely to die of pregnancy-related causes. And um, we have Linda on, and we talk about this, and then the story breaks in the Washington Post in which um, Virginia's top public health official um, uh, 
Dr. Colin Green is um, saying a lot of things, basically poo-pooing and, 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 and dismissing and saying, I want to see more research, although there's copious research already on these disparities, in, including the, um, uh, the, the black maternal um, disparity. And um, it, it, it created, it's, it's been a mess. And um, the governor tried to um, walk Colin Green back a bit, and you know, we it, people still aren't satisfied with it. Um, if if the top health official in Virginia is saying we need to start fresh on research about disparities that there is always already tremendous research about that was presented to him, and he didn't want to hear it. Um, if he is um, insulting and demeaning his black employees. If he's calling um, gun violence a democratic talking point, um, there there is grave reason for concern uh, about whether he's all in on the health of all Virginia citizens. I don't know how to feel sometimes, Michael Paul. To be honest, you know, I'm like, like to know that my body <laughs> is in the most jeopardy of making sure that it's safe, that I'm healthy, um, that the care provide the, the the care people that I go to are giving me, you know, the best information. I choose all black purposely, um, just because I know that they'll they'll know me. But I can do that. I can afford that. There's so many people that can't. And speaking of can't, um, you know, all hell broke loose this weekend. With the um, dismantling of Roe versus Wade by the Supreme Court, which um, again is if um, black women, I mean, I mean, it, the loss of body autonomy for all women for me is breathtaking. It's a guy. I mean, I feel unequipped to speak to it. Yeah. But just as a man, it just seems appallingly wrong for. Um, mostly men, to decide what women can do with their bodies. Yeah. And um, as we spoke of, there's an extra risk involved here for black women, mm -hmm. um, given um, the, the greater propensity to have pregnancy-related issues. Um, so and the fact that people don't want to hear it, the fact that people don't want to yeah. believe it, yeah. no, that is not y'all's problem. Like, you know... And I, I just have to state, especially to white women that want to say, no, this is a women's issue. Yeah. It's not just y'all's. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I wish that was the case, you know, and I and I often have to remind white women that I'm black first, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, because the things that women go through, black women go through differently. Mm -hmm. And so I lead with black. But um but I'm so glad that you just stated as a man because those are the those are the conversations that very much grate my my nerves is that I'm hearing men have opinions about this and I just can't understand why you know like with without any remorse of thinking that this is not a concern to your health you know what I'm saying like yeah. they're not it's just let's talk about the law let's talk about you know the Constitution, <laughs> with no regard to the to the to the person. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not going to get into how um, just a traditional um, uh, 
Supreme Court uh, philosophies regarding um, established law and, and precedents and so forth. And then just on this particular case, going way, even John Roberts, the Chief Justice, who voted uh, uh, to pretty much gut Roe versus Wade, said, Why did, we didn't need to go this far. You know, there was a, you know, there was a question we were addressing, and we could have addressed it without basically dismantling Roe v. Wade. So, and, and, but then Clarence Thomas weighed in, and, 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 and let it be said here that it's been my experience that it's always unhelpful <laughs> when Justice Thomas decides to weigh in. But he basically fired a salvo at all sorts of, of rights down the road, um, you know, LGBTQ rights, same-sex marriage. Yeah. Which one did um, he leave off, though, Michael Paul? Oh, he left off interracial <laughs> Come marriage, on. which is— which is fascinating because I, I viewed, um, frankly, I viewed um, marriage equality, same-sex marriage as a continuum of the uh, original marriage equality decision in 1967 being um, Loving versus Virginia, which um, struck down laws forbidding interracial marriage. Mm-hmm. Now, um, Clarence Thomas happens to be married to a white woman. Mm-hmm. So, okay, that kind of explains why he kind of left that off the plate. But yeah. But yeah, um, contraception rights yeah. are on the table now. It would seem it, it just it, we're we're in a we're in a place where it seems like no rights are secure. And um, uh, had a had a talk with um, Ravi Perry, um, who's now at Howard University, but formerly Virginia Commonwealth University, who kind of schooled me on how this is kind of the American way, you know, mm. with the Supreme Court, you know, and and one step forward, one step back, um. We'll 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 declare with the Amistad decision that you know yeah you are um, these Africans were unjustly enslaved and they had a right to fight for their freedom and then a few years later Dred Scott you know black man has no rights that a white man is bound to respect white people are bound to respect and you know we you know we have the gains of Reconstruction gutted by um, selling out. Uh, and and later, you know, we have Plessy, and it's just uh, just part of this continuum that continues into the 21st century, where we we move forward. We, we get the Voting Rights Act in 1965, and that gets gutted in the 21st century. So the lesson there is we always have to fight. You know, the struggle continues. It's a continuum. I, I know, but so it, it's just exhausting. It, it's, like it's a condition. Of being black in America, that's a condition of the planet, and you know, I mean, there are all sorts of struggles going on. Um, it's it's part of being human, um, and being human leaves no room for complacency, mm-hmm. uh, mm. unless you're at a point of privilege. But uh, most of us aren't there. Yeah. And a positive note, um, as we as as we get into your latest column that you can find at richmond.com is on a national appointment to a Richmond native that um, we both know very well, um, but Dr. Cisha Joy Moon of the Jackson Project um, was named, and and, and I I don't want to get the title wrong, Director of Diversity and Inclusion for the House of Representatives. Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Inclusion. for for the House of Representatives. Yes. So, yeah, that that was breaking news, actually, breaking news story um, um, that I I wrote up Monday. Um, She called you purposely 
to give you, not, not purposely, but she wanted to make sure that you knew, um, first and foremost, because you also broke another story of, of theirs, but the respect that the Moon family has for you and, and, and all that you've been able to well, give them. Yeah. Well, I mean, Dr. Moon and her sister, um, Anjali Moon, um, have done um, some, some stellar work. Mm -hmm. um, restorative work, advancing the preservation and, and restoration of Jackson Ward, um, one of the original Black Wall Streets, the Harlem of the South, whatever you want to call it, one of the um, early um, hubs of black entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship after yep. enslavement yep. and after emancipation, rather. And um, they, they are doing brilliant work there. It's been recognized. It's been funded by the Millen Foundation, among mm -hmm. other mm -hmm. um, institutions. Um, and she views um, this appointment uh, in Congress by Nancy Pelosi, uh, the House Speaker, as a continuation of that work yeah. uh, on behalf of um, equity and inclusion. And um, good on her. Yeah. Good on her. She, that, that's that's a, a real feather in the cap for Richmond. And she is, she is ardently, proudly Richmond. Proudly <laughs> Richmond. I mean, every conversation... Um, she has, she brings up Richmond yeah. intentionally um, as a black gay woman. Mm -hmm. No one is better yeah, and she, and, and, for that job. Yeah, yeah, she said she embodies it. She and, she was born yeah, for that born job. Yeah, born for that job. And and um, I'm, I'm we're very excited to see what work she does yeah, with was, that. Yeah, I was telling Dr. Moon that... Um, you know, it's it's great. I mean, I, that the pride she has in Richmond. I mean, black people. She's not the first black person to uh, get elevated to a large post or do something tremendous mm -hmm. from from Richmond, Virginia. Um, but the difference increasingly is that um, um, Richmond can 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 claim you know maybe a little bit of ownership here and and there's not that ambivalence we've had say in the case of an Arthur Ashe mm -hmm. who literally had to be chased who was literally chased from his hometown by the lack of opportunity mm -hmm. and had to leave Richmond mm -hmm. to to become his best self um, and you know he certainly at the end of his life he was um, giving back to Richmond and 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 always you know from what I've read always that Richmond will always be home to me but it's it's a conflicted legacy, but um, for some of our best and brightest to continue mm. to 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 shine on the national stage is is a wonderful thing to see. Yeah, and um, increasingly those talents are staying home and 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 being allowed to prosper here. Now people are gonna leave because opportunity calls. You got to go where opportunity is. But but. Um, the brain drain was not helpful for Richmond yeah. uh, over, over, over the generations. And Richmond cannot afford to waste its black talent. Yeah. Lastly, and I'm freestyling this, um, we just celebrated Juneteenth. Mm -hmm. um, that was our freedom. But we're getting into July, mm -hmm. and July 4th is coming up. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of black folks don't celebrate it anymore. That I, that I know within my age group, mm -hmm. um, because we now celebrate Juneteenth. Mm -hmm. We take the holiday, though, which could, is kind of, you know, um, 
What you gonna do? Yeah, yeah. Um, we 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 just call it a, a a friend's day. It's our it's our friend's day. Um, what do you think about that? What what is your thought, or how how are you now perceiving July Fourth now that Black folks do have Juneteenth? Well, it's it's interesting. I read that there's a certain mythology surrounding Juneteenth, even yeah. where um you know it's been promoted as this idea that. Black people in Texas didn't know they were free, yeah. and 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 at least one um, person who's followed this, and I think their other adherents are calling BS on that and saying no, they, they they knew, mm. <laughs> they you know, if if their enslaver had access to say a newspaper, <laughs> he knew what was going. He knew the Civil War was over, yeah. that the the Confederacy had lost, and they, come on, yeah, that so, uh. There is some feeling that this is just yet another um, kind of narrative that makes black people look clueless when mm. they were certainly aware of their freedom. Now, mm. the problem was not this is the narrative. This is the narrative that's come is is that's pushing back against the prevailing idea that they were uh, they were told and they had no clue mm-hmm. that they were free. This narrative says. The ignorance of black folks wasn't a problem. It was the resistance of the enslavers who knew but weren't willing to, to let them go. So it, it's, 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 it's maybe more complicated than this idea that's been pushed that, you know, a bunch of black folks in Texas just learned. Yeah. Um, what we are also hearing is that they knew and that— um, the general from the union or whom who was um, sent down to give the word was like, that was a message for the enslavers, enslavers. Yeah. not the enslaved. Like, yeah. yo, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's over. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, you those of you in the back, we didn't hear. No. Yeah. <laughs> for the people in the back. <laughs> it's, this this is uh, enslavement is over. Yeah. You know, white enslavers, you know, less a message for the black enslaved. Do we and so you know that was that was an education for me, and you know, love love be educated. Do we need to look at the date to which, like, sh- should we maybe celebrate the date that the Emancipation Proclamation was actually signed? And you know, like, mm-hmm. again, there's all these dates out there. Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm, like, look, look, I'm gonna take a holiday. Um, <laughs> I'll take I'll take July Fourth, and I've I mean I'm I I don't know. I mean I don't know how many black people weren't ambivalent about July Fourth. Um, you know, yeah. didn't di- didn't mean our freedom wasn't meant for us, but we are Americans. Mm-hmm. We are as American as it gets. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and given how long we've been here, that is an undeniable part of our identity. Mm-hmm. And we have been fighting over the centuries to make America real. Mm. So on on that hand, I'm not, you know. People are going to do what they're going to do as individuals. You know, if you want to sit it out, sit it out. But um, if you want to make that claim that I, too, sing America, as Langston Hughes wrote, mm. then, you know, you you take ownership of that, too. Because yeah. we, however we feel about this country, we built it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's oh. that. On that note, that's how you end it. I think that's how you end it. Um, we have gone all over. Michael Paul, I know that you'll be getting into some more uh, great 
um, stories that as the summer unfolds um, and make sure you check out Michael Paul's um, columns every week. They they come out every twice a week. Twice a week. Mm -hmm. Every is it Wednesdays or Sundays? Or it is um, Tuesday. It is depends on we're getting into <laughs> online versus print. Yeah. Tuesday online, Wednesday print. Okay. And on weekends, we alternate Saturdays and Sundays. Sundays. Make sure you check it out. And, of course, we'll be back soon with another episode of After the Monuments, A Real Talk About Race with Kelly Lemon and Michael Paul Williams. Thanks for joining us. After the Monuments is a Virginia Video Network production and produced by Matt Pachilli, Michael Paul Williams, and me, Kelly Lemon. Technical direction and editing from Bill Barksdale. Executive production from Paul Farrell, Diane Salvatore, and Paige Mudd. Will Royer provides studio support. Our artwork is by Krishna Mathis. I'm Kelly Lemon, and we'll see you next week on After the Monuments. Huge thanks to Massey Cancer Center for being our After the Monuments sponsor.